Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. It's good to be together today on this special Labor Day weekend. Hope it's been a good one for you so far. Good to welcome to, I love it when we have baptisms, and thank you guys for sitting in the front rows. Guests, welcome to everyone, and and, uh, I see some folks coming back after quarantine, and a special welcome to you as well. And those of you who are worshiping with us at home, so glad to have you. And as well, I was thinking today, the the benefit of having this online uh, venue is that those of you, some of you are worshiping in Brown County with us, uh, some... On the shores of Lake Michigan, maybe, I don't know, wherever, but wherever we are, the goal today is to turn this place and really our hearts into a sanctuary. And today's focus is simply to kneel in the Lord's presence and to worship Him. And in a way that we we do that every Sunday, but as we come to the Word of God, often and, and rightly so, we take His Word and apply it to our lives, and we're equipped for what's coming this next week, and the focus is equipping. But today, it's not so much that. It's, it's more of simply being present in this moment with him and saying thank you for what he's done. And this is our first Sunday of our new ministry. Our, our ministry year runs from uh, September through August, and so today's day one. And as we look ahead, we, we've just landed the plane on this past year, 1920, this last week, and it was a great, great year. We look down the runway, and it's like, cannot wait to see where God's going to lead us. Our mission is the same. It's to, to help each other become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. But what that looks like, we, uh, next week we'll be sharing some unique initiatives and just where we sense God leading us. But rather than jump in the plane and charge the runway, as I mentioned, today we just want to step out of the plane and uh, kneel on that concrete runway and thank God for what, who He is, what He's done for us, and what He's promised to do. And a moment happened this week that did not see coming, but it was a, a bucket list. I got to check one off the bucket list. I flew an airplane for all of five seconds, but it, we'll, we'll call it a flight. Uh, Reed Blair was kind enough to take me up in his Cessna Wednesday evening, and uh, we, our goal was to fly from Hendricks County to the Greencastle Airport, have a hamburger. They're on the, they have a restaurant that you can eat out on the runway, and then fly back here. Well, we're, it, it was, I came back the next day and told Tyson, who flies, like, I get it, and other pilots, why you guys do this. You talk about an adrenaline kick of, you know, challenge, adventure, beauty, and just incredible uh, time and seeing our community from you know up above and it just looked it was so neat and seeing God's creation at one point Reed lives over here about a mile and he was like hey let's go see the church in my house and he was going to dip down but before he did he went serious and he said are you afraid of roller coasters you like, do you like roller coasters I'm like yeah I like roller coasters and then I backed up and like which kind are we talking about the kind that go like this is the kind of loop because I don't want to do the loop but uh, thankfully he just did the steep dive and and at one point, we, uh, 
in the flight. He goes, you want to do what my, me and my daughter used to do? She used to love this when she was young. And he's like, yeah, go for it. So he would pull or uh, accelerate, and we would just take off toward heaven like a homesick angel. And then he'd kill it, and we'd come up over that. Uh, it, it, it was like on a roller coaster when you're at the top of the hill, and then you start to descend and just lose your stomach and then take off again. Well, we, uh, thankfully, we made it safely there back. But as I thought about our moment today and this time of worship today, I thought about that dinner on the runway. And just where, uh, as we look ahead to this coming year, man, so excited for where God's going to lead us and guide us. But before we go there, to just kneel and be with Him, to be present, it's the feast of worship. And you know, when you stop and think about it, worship is why... Worship is not a means to an end, it is the end, it's why we exist, and so it's kind of neat in these moments, really, we're just going to step into what God created us to do and be and, and praise Him and worship Him. The text that we're going to be in, Psalm 107, is powerful to equip us to live a life of worship, but uh, in these moments, we just, the goal is, the word that comes to mind is overflow, that our hearts would overflow with gratitude for what God has done for us in Christ, and so what we're going to do is we'll work through the first 31 verses, and, uh, and then hopefully as we leave this place, it will be with hearts full of gratitude for, uh, for all that God's done on our behalf. So if you would, join me there in Psalm 107. Psalm 107. We'll, uh, before we read, let's pray. Father, as we come to your word, we thank you for your promise to meet us in these moments as we seek you in your word. And, and Lord, we thank you for the promise of your presence and just to, uh, to know that you're here with us. Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes to who you are, to what you've done, and to what you will do, and, and uh, that you would be pleased with our response of worship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the first three verses are the, the call to worship. And he starts out, verse 1, he says, Give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good. His love endures forever. And then a, a second imperative, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. You might circle the word redeemed. This is, um, will be a focus throughout this text. So let those who have been redeemed by God tell your story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe those he gathered from the lands, from the east and from the, the west and from the north and from the south. And so the calling here is give thanks to the Lord. You say, well, why? Two primary reasons. One, he is good. You know, and just to, to be reminded, this is bedrock truth, but our God is good. It's who he is, in essence. How good is our God? And you stop and think about that attribute. He's infinite in his goodness. He defines goodness. He's eternal in his goodness. And his love his loyal love endures forever. Where do we see the goodness of God and the love of God in motion? And it's in our redemption stories, isn't it? It's those moments that he redeems us. And the, the redemption here is in view is being redeemed from the hand of an enemy. He says uh, it's from the, the hand of a foe. So it's a picture of being in the clutches of, of an enemy and we are rescued out of that and then it also has a uh, in this context it's a redemption of, of gathering where he gathers us 
his people together from the east to the west. People who have been scattered by whatever, for whatever reason are redeemed and gathered back together. So the question becomes this. Do you have a redemption story? If we're to tell our story, what's your story and do you have a story? And that raises the next question, what does it mean to be redeemed? And, and when you stop and think and you define, you look at the, the definition of redemption, it's, it's unique in that to be redeemed is, is to regain the possession, ownership of something that, that we have lost by paying a price, by, with a cost, a redemption cost. So what's your redemption story? And if we're to give thanks for and, and to share our story, what is it? And for those of us who have come to faith in Jesus Christ and are trusting him as our Savior and what he did for us on the cross, you have a redemption story. You say, well, well how do we verbalize that? What, what, what exactly is that? And what the, the songwriter does here in the rest of this song is he gives us four categories of redemption stories. And what's neat about these, these are each unique in the way that God's redeeming love plays out in the lives of his people here, but also in our lives, and each a unique opportunity to, to say thank you. And so what we're going to do is work through this, and as we look at each category, may I encourage you just to think about your own life, and you have, this is one day that please take as many rabbit trails that you want to take of gratitude to God for what he's done in your life. As you think back over this past even week, year, or even your life in, in each one of these categories, all right? So here we go. We'll start. What's the, the first category there? He says uh, some, we could call this desert stories of redemption. Verse 4, some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty and their lives ebbed away. And here's the pivot point, the redemption moment. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Desert stories. Here the, the, the songwriter is painting that picture of those moments in life when we lack what we need. And it's that, those times when we feel like we're lost in a desert. Um, a desert, a wasteland where it may be physical needs that, that we're wondering, maybe the financial piece, the job. How We don't see the way to provision. It may be spiritually where we're, we're feeling restless and apart from God and um, empty and hungry and wondering, how do I get back? It may be relationally and those desert moments where we're feeling alienated and apart from people or, or people who matter in our lives. What do you do in those moments? And as you think about your life and think about even this past year that we've come through, has there been a desert moment for you? time when you're thirsting, hungry, life ebbing away, but then that you knelt before God and said, help, and he provided. I love the way he, he puts it. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. And it's that picture of being led into a community of prov where provision happens. And
And how many times, as we look back over our lives, has God done that for you? Desert moments. Is there a, a time coming to your mind when, and maybe you're still in that season, but knowing that you have a Redeemer, I'd encourage you to, to even in these moments, if you're in that season, to call out to him, but with the confidence to know he is faithful, a good shepherd to lead us and to guide us. And what's our fitting response for his provision for us? And it's, um, this will come up again and again, but let, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. Lord, thank you for leading me out of this desert to a place of provision place where you've provided for me in ways that that only you could the next uh, category of redemption story is found there in the verse 10 and it's the we could call this prison break stories verse 10 he says okay so somewhere in a desert here some sat in darkness and you might circle darkness in your bible it's a it hits like a drum beat in utter darkness prisoners suffering in iron chains Why? Because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled, and there was no one to help. They cried to the Lord. The pivot point here is they're in their prison, but they turn, they cry to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away the chains. And then what's the response? Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. And I love it how he goes audio here. You can see it, but you can hear it. He breaks down the gates of bronze. Stuck in a prison. Gates of bronze outside the city. Help can't get through that. Uh Uh-uh, there's a redeeming help that can break down those gates of bronze. And he goes on cuts through bars of irons, and then takes off the, the chains. What's he talking about here? And these are the, this is our salvation story, where we were all born into a, really a prison of oppression from an enemy that we were not strong enough to escape. And not only were we born by our sin nature and, and being sons and daughters of Adam who sinned against God, and, and we were born into this prison, We chose to be in this prison. We too rebelled against God, chose our own way. And the crazy thing is we thought this way is the the way to life or the the best way. We knew better. And yet our rebellion from God led us into deeper bondage. And, you know, you think of every Christmas we we, had. Christmas is that great time of year where we light up the darkness, you know, and we plug in our lights at our houses and here at church and we talk about Jesus being the light of the world. And often I will think, how dark would my life be without Christ? The hope that I have and, and all those things. And what's the, 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 really the tone in this passage, this prison? It's dark, utter darkness. Dark, utter darkness and chains, suffering in chains. And what a description of our life before coming to faith in Jesus Christ. The enemy of our soul, the forces of darkness owned us owned our soul, damned to hell, eternity without God, but also damned to hell on earth as we try to go this way, but we can't. We we, want to do right, but we don't. And yet, for those of us who know Christ, there was that moment we fell on our knees and we said, Lord, help, save me. 
And our God, with redeeming love, what did he do? He came into the the darkness of your prison and my prison. I was five years old at the time. A boy, it was morning. My mom was with me. Remember the kneeling with her there in that room. And God set us free. Broke the chains of the enemy. Led us up out of oppression. So he We are delivered free from the penalty of sin, but also the power of sin. Free to follow him into a life of love. Free from the tyranny of fear. Got nothing to fear because we belong to him. Free from the effects of the the enemy and free to, to, uh, to follow him into a life of purpose and hope until he calls us safely home. Amen? What's your story, your redemption story? We've got a prison break story, don't we? And what's our fitting response? And today, as we kneel here on the runway of this new year, it's simply to say, thank you, Lord. You know, sometimes it's easy to forget that. Or this past week, I I know as I was living in this truth, I realized, I forgot I'm redeemed. You know? Like, that's core. You, You, if you know Christ, you are a redeemed person. Core to who you are, your identity, you have been rescued from prison. He led you out of a desert, broke into your prison, but it gets even better as he goes on. The next category of, of redemption is there in uh, verse 17 where he says, okay, somewhere in a desert, somewhere in a prison, but some became fools through their own rebellious ways. And this is the category of the rut of self-destruction, where we become wise in our own eyes, choose our own way and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. So this is just those, the consequences of our bad decisions and our sinful decisions that lead us into literal suffering and and ultimately the devil as he would lead us to death. But here's the pivot point. Even in in the rut of our self-destruction, They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out. Notice how he lifts us up from our rut of self-destruction. This is significant. How does he do it? He sent out his what? Word and healed them. How does God lift us up out of the rut of our self-destruction? The word of his word. He sends us a word of encouragement, a word of instruction, a word of correction, How many times in your own life have you been headed down a path, wise in our own eyes, thinking, I know best, and he checks us up, checks you up with the word. And you're like, no idea I was going that way that fast. And yet through his word, as we believe it and apply it to our lives, he lifts us up out of that rut, sets us free. And then what's our fitting response? And it says, verse 21, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wondrous deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. And this is our story as well, isn't it? As you think back over this past week, what word did God use to lift you up out of that that rut of self-destruction? Or maybe this past year, thinking back, or even... If, if you had five minutes to spend with your family, and this was it, this was the last five minutes you had, that you wanted to share a redemption story of what God, the moment God found you in a, headed down a rut of 
self-destruction and lifted you up, which one would you choose? Funny, mine <laughs> sounds kind of weird, but fifth grade was my rebellious year. <laughs> and I, man, I still remember God using his word in, in some other discipline for my mom and my fifth grade teacher but, uh, <laughs> to lift me out of that rut of self-destruction. And thank you, Lord. You know, I was headed down some bad paths. What about you? And today, just to kneel and say, Father, thank you. Thank you. And then the last category of, of redemption stories we see there in verse 23, and it's, it's our storm stories. And it says, someone out on the sea in ships, they were merchants on the, on the mighty water. So this is the picture of people just going about their everyday job, right? It's you going to work, doing what you're going to do. These were sailors going to make money on the sea. They saw the works of the Lord his wonderful deeds in the deep. He spoke and stirred up the tempest that lifted the, high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and then went down to the depths. So storm kicks up. Normal day, storm kicks up. Trial is what this represents. Those, those everyday trials, but, but the ones that, here it says, in their peril, their courage melted away. Fear hits them. And then they staggered like drunkards they were at their wit's end. And so those moments in life when uh, the trial hits you and takes you to the, the edge of your resources, where there was courage, now there's fear. Um, this picture of staggering like a sailor is kind of like you lose your equilibrium. It's like, whoa. And you, you felt those moments when life gets really hard where it almost feels like it's hard to stand. And when people are asking you, what do we do? You don't know. They're at their wit's end. But then the pivot point, the redemption moment, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he, sent, he, uh, he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed, and they were glad when it grew calm. And I love this last picture. He guided them to their desired haven. Isn't that awesome? And is that bringing back to mind the time when Jesus was with his disciples in the boat, you know, and how many times... Has God met you in your storm? You know, you're like, I don't know how to get through this. And you fall to your knees in prayer. You cry for help. And he meets you in those moments. And he gives you that peace that passes all understanding. He either calms the storm to a hush or he gives you the power to ride it out. But he is faithful to see us through our storms, isn't he? You think about your life in this past week, this past year, and even over your lifetime, how many times has he seen you through your storm? And today, I, I would guess many of us are in a haven, like we're in that desired haven. How did we get here? Is God leading us? And in these moments, I just, what is our fitting response? And it's to say, thank you, Lord. I think about our church family just this past year and looking out to many of you. I know we've been through some storms, big storms. Some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you have battled death and, and, uh, or your own disease and, and just sickness. Some of us are fighting for our families. Some of us have lost jobs. And, and, uh, and I know that's, those are just the ones that surface. But, but God is faithful, isn't he? We serve a God who is good and loving and his redeeming love is big enough to take a storm 
And not only does he redeem us from the storms, he redeems the storm. So what the enemy means for evil, he uses for our good as he grows our faith and the storm becomes a platform for his love and his power to be displayed in our lives. Sometimes we won't see it till we hit heaven's shores, but we know this is our God. This is the one we serve. And so what is our response? And it is, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A quick word about the story piece. As I was reading through this, you know, the calling of the text is give thanks to God because he is good, his love endures forever. So let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. And I kind of just blew by it, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. But as I thought about it this week, the power of story. Like how did Jesus teach? He, he, he took a truth and he'd stick it in a story and we can remember it like that, the parable of the Good Samaritan. We can all probably tell it right now and we know the truth. And then I, I thought, what if he really meant that? Like, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. And you stop and think your redemption story, whether it's a desert story, a prison story, a stuck-in-your-rut story, or a storm story, is unique to you. And what if you t- start telling that, you know? And, and think about it, like if there was one story you wanted to leave with your kids that would just remind them of God's redeeming love in your life. That's your story. Nobody else has that story. And, and they're like, oh boy, here goes dad again. That's all right. Keep telling it. <laughs> what if that's a story they take and they tell their, their, grand, their kids and it goes generations. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell them. There was this time I was stuck in the desert. Did not know how we were going to provide for our family. And I prayed. And God led us through. I love the way it says he led them through a straight path. We had the Red Sea in front of us. We were thinking we got to go around one way or the other. But our God parted that Red Sea and led us through it. I'll tell you how this happened. And there was a moment in my life, and I, I always think of Roger Crail's dad, or today, I was just coming to my mind. It, he tell, told me the story one time, back in the foyer. He resisted God, resisted God, resisted God. He's a guy, I think he was around in his middle ages, middle age 50s or so, driving home one night and realized he needed a Savior. And it, this full, the moon was talking to him, full moon, and he just saw God's greatness in creation, and he drove right into his driveway walked right out into the backyard and there with the moon just flooding down on him he hit his knees and he surrendered his heart and life to Jesus and the redeemer walked into his prison and set him free set him free from the penalty of his sin and the power of his sin and he told that he tells that story and it just sticks think of the uh stuck in the rut stories you know sometimes we we fail and uh we never want to fail and it's our our worst moment and it's shame and it's all that stuff but you know what god can take our failures and and as we tell that to other people he helps us not be proud he uses us to get to keep us humble but it also gives hope to people like I, i paul says i was the worst of sinners and yet god had mercy on me i was stuck in this rut and i god lifted me up out of it through his word and then storm stories just how god provided for us When we were in a storm, as we come to communion today, the uh, this is that moment that our Lord 
He said, I want you to do this. Take, take this, uh, this bread and this juice and remember my redeeming love. Remember that I rescued you and remember how I did it with my body being broken and with my blood being poured out. As we come to communion, may I encourage us just to fix our eyes on our Redeemer to see him showing up when we were in the desert season and, and leading us to a place of provision. What satisfies most in life is, is him and his presence, right? See him showing up when we were locked in our prison. Hear the gates crashing, the light invading the darkness. Think about the freedom that we have in him. See him meeting you in your rebellion and wondering and lifting you up out of your rut of self-destruction and taking you to a place of health and strength and purpose. See him with you on the boat when the storms hit and with a word calming the storm that you're in. Or with a word, strengthening you, giving you peace and what you need to get through that storm. You guys, our Redeemer lives. Amen? Our Redeemer is alive. And not only does He live, our Redeemer is good, He is loving, and He is faithful. And there's a past to our redemption. We have been redeemed. But there's a present to our redemption. We are being redeemed. And there is a future to our redemption. We will be fully redeemed one day. And we take this bread and this cup to celebrate the fact that we have been loved by our Redeemer. Amen? And so as we take the bread... We remember that night that our Lord met with his disciples moments before the cross. And he explained that the bread represented his body, which would be broken for us. As he said this, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us. We thank you for your redeeming love poured out to us through Christ. And Jesus, we thank you for giving your body to be broken for us on the cross. And Lord, as we take this cup now, we remember that there was only one way for us to be redeemed, and that was through your blood. And the blood of someone who lived a perfect life was our only hope, and you did that for us. But then blood that was poured out as a sacrifice of atonement for, for people who were guilty. We praise you, Jesus, for taking our punishment. 
for receiving the wrath of God that we deserve for not quitting, but go into the final, to your final breath. Lord, we thank you for this cup of salvation and just what it means and the hope that we have. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we take the cup, I or drink the cup, first or in First uh, Peter, Peter reminds us of our redemption. The cost of our redemption, as he says, but you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were re- redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And as we take this cup of juice representing the blood of our Lord, just to be reminded that this is the priceless value of what what he gave us and the fact that his blood was our only hope. And I was thinking about, when you think about redemption, there's always a cost. And in the Old Testament, if, say, I was a farmer and I had a couple bad years and I was in poverty, bankrupt, the law made it possible for me to sell myself into slavery and at least through that provide for my family. But there would be, there's also a a provision for a kinsman redeemer, meaning somebody who is my kin, like my brother, sister, dad, somebody could pay a price, a redemption price, and buy me out of slavery. And I was thinking, if that happened to me, if that happened to you and your relative bought your freedom and paid the redemption price, how grateful would I be? And I know I'd want to repay repay them, whatever that cost was, but then uh, I'd also be very grateful from then on for them taking that initiative and doing that. And then I thought about what Christ did for us, pouring out his blood, and... uh, what that should mean for me in terms of gratitude and living a life that is just a debt of gratitude that we can never repay. That he poured out his blood to purchase us, to redeem us from our prison, to give us life forever with him. And so with that in mind, let's uh, drink together, or I'll read this, uh, read the text together. As I made a mess. <laughs> By the way, I was, through COVID, one of the things that hit us, hit me, was uh, we were, um, when we shared communion as a family, I don't know if you guys, that was some sacred moments around the kitchen table, but as a dad leading communion, I was, I had this image in my mind of how this was just going to be a holy moment and a very special moment, and it is, and, and yet for communion, we had uh, wheat thins, and when we all bit our wheat thin, it was one giant noise, and we all just er- couldn't help but kind of start laughing. <laughs> and then I thought about when Jesus was with 12 guys. I'm pretty sure, can you imagine 12 guys around a table? It was somber, but they also had their laugh moments, and it, it just reminded me, it's, we serve a real God, so spills and all. <laughs> Um, his blood is precious. And he said this, this is the cup 
This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Amen. The rest of this text goes on to read, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know, you guys, as we go out of this place, I remind us that uh, Psalm 107, when he wrote Psalm 107, he didn't know what we knew since the coming of Christ and the revelation that we have. And as we leave this place, I remind you of the eschatology of our redemption. We have a Savior, a Redeemer, who meets us in our desert, and He will lead us to a place of the provision. But remember what that place is? John 14, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And this past week on Sabbath, I had Monday, I was cruising down Cartersburg Road and had a couple minutes to kill Dropped in the cemetery there where my mom is buried and went back just to thank God for her and noticed there were some hostas that she, somebody planted for her. She loved flowers and so some of them were dying so I was clipping the dead leaves and whatever and I heard her whisper, John, this is pretty, this is a pretty day, but you ain't seen nothing yet. He's preparing, our Redeemer is preparing a place for us. A city of provision, the city of God, a new heaven, the new earth. Not only has our Redeemer rescued us from our prison, bad news, the dude who locked us up in prison, the power that locked us up in prison, we still have to deal with the forces of evil down here, don't we? But one day our Redeemer will see us up out of this cursed place where he continues, the devil continues to do what he does, and he's going to lock him up forever it's going to be over and we have God's grace for those moments we fail and he helps us out of our ruts but when we fail it's hard but one day when we cross heaven's shores our our redeemer is going to lead us into a place where we will love him with the perfect love and love those around us with the perfect love no more to get caught up in the rut of self-destruction amen and then one wonderful day, we are going to sail on into heaven's shores to a place where the storms of this earth can't touch. And there will be an eternal calm, shalom, for the people of God. That day is coming because we have a Redeemer who is good, whose love endures forever. Is anybody else wanting to share your redemption story? <laughs> That fires you up. But it's not about that yet. Right now, it's about just saying thank you, Lord. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.